The summer heat is rising outside and it's about to get hot online. We have a new band that's part of the Broadhead Music Group family known as Red Letter Rising. So go ahead and crank up the volume and crank up the AC because it's going to get hot. It is good to be back in the studio after, oh, about a two-month break. And with me tonight, I have the lead vocalist and the front man of Red Letter Rising, David Bean. David, welcome to Raven's Heart. Thanks for having me. It's an awesome blessing. It's really exciting to have you on. We actually decided to go a couple weeks earlier to get you on. We were not going to come on until July 21st with the Midnight Wedding, who's coming up on the 21st. Uh, but Jeff reached out to me. I heard your music, and I was like, we got to do this now. And you guys just released a new song entitled Identity Christ Is. Before we check out this song, which just totally rocks, can you tell us what it's about? Yeah, so... Identity Christ is is a play on words from Identity Crisis, and you know if we if you just look around the world, everyone is running around trying to find their identity in something, and if we look at the backdrop of the world, you can understand why people are struggling with things like anxiety, depression, and identity issues because the world is so confusing, and so the song represents that when we find our identity in Christ then we know who we are in Christ. So our identity is in Christ. That is a very timely song, very timely theme, because the confusion is very thick right now about identity. We're going to talk about that more later on in this live stream, but I want everybody to check this song out. This is Identity Christ Is by Red Letter Rising. Who I am and who I used to be will always be a war It's like a fighter losing battle cause it won't stop keeping score 
We've got a lot to talk about with this video. It's just rich with a lot of symbolism. But before we do that, first of all, for our viewers that are watching live tonight, you can go ahead and comment on the video and the song you just watched, and we'll go ahead and put your comments up. Or if you've got questions for David and uh, want to engage in the conversation, go ahead and do so, and we'll put those up on the screen. But uh, since the last time we broadcast, our studio mascot, Mac the Metal Dog, has passed away and he is now in heaven running around on the streets of gold and probably peeing on golden fire hydrants as well up there. But we've got a new studio mascot who now approves of the music and listens to the music that we put on Raven's Heart. And that is Amy, our pit terrier. And this is one of Amy's picks. And yes, she does sit in here in the studio <laughs> and listens to the music. And uh, after she got over Mac passing, uh, she very quickly took his spot on the studio floor where he would sit. So this gets one of Amy's picks for Raven's Heart. So let's talk about this video here. Um, a lot going on. The white masks I find absolutely intriguing. Can you share with us what the white masks represent and what's going on with that? What's the message that you're trying to convey with those? Well, I'll start off with saying that when we, have, we and the label decided that this was gonna be the first single and we talked about doing a music music video for it. I had no idea what the concept was going to be. I had about 
two or three other songs that I could just tell you the story from beginning to end. And I was just wrapping my head around trying to come up with something. And as we talked a little bit before the show, when God's in something, it just works. It just happens. It just comes out. And so he reminded me of uh, back when I was a youth pastor um, during Halloween time, when we had a, one of our youth services, I did a, uh, I, I, I bought a bunch of these white masks and had the students write things that they found their identity in, things that they struggle with. And if they want to, brought them up to the front and we would pray over the student and those things and then they could stomp on it and crush it. And so right after we decided to do this video, he like I'm, I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. Like what what idea should I do? And he brought back to my remembrance those white masks. And so I started looking up some things and I found the picture that's the actual um, single picture for Identity Christ is, and it just started coming together. So the white mask represents, uh, and you see in the, throughout the video, everyone is wearing a mask except for one person. So the white mask is, represents that we are all wearing masks. That when we, we wake up first thing, we're putting on a mask and we're trying to disguise who we really are. That is so powerful. And that's just something that we really need to sit and think about. Who are we? You know, what, what are we presenting to the world? And the world, the way that it trains us to think, it trains us to put on that mask when we go out there. And unfortunately, yeah. I have to say this as well. There are a lot of churches that teach us to put on the mask instead of really dealing with who we are and yeah. seeing Jesus for who he really is. And we've got a comment from Ziggy and he says, love the tune and great video. One thing I got to say about the tune, man, is that bass drop in it is just sick. <laughs> I, in my headphones, it just, it yeah. just rattled my head. I was like, that is a sick, awesome bass drop. You can thank Dylan McLean for that one. <laughs> I understand he's the master of bass drops. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Something else I want to ask you about, because, you know, if you took a look at the way YouTube would recommend to do a video, you know, they, they tell you, you got to get people engaged right away. It's got to be fast moving, fast punch. But you start the video with a guy waking up, doing what I do in the morning and doing probably what you do in the morning. And that's getting up, slamming the alarm, probably hitting the snooze <laughs> bar, uh, going in to brush your teeth and getting into the car and going to work. Why did you choose to start the video this way? I'm very curious to find out. So it's sort of like dynamics in music um, where you want some highs and lows to kind of break things apart. And the it actually just go, goes along with the sequence of events. So he's waking up normal like like you just described we all do and he has no idea what it, he's in for for the rest of his day so it just shows that sort of solemn calm you know before the storm i guess of him just doing his normal routine of getting ready and going to, going to work we all start the day the same way pretty much and you know it's it's really interesting to see what's in store for that day and we never know it could be an amazing day, or it could be a, you know, a day of tragedy. It could be any of those things when we wake up in the morning. 
Uh, I want to ask you this question to get to the heart of the matter and kind of do a deep dive here a little bit, because this is such a powerful song and it's such a timely song, because there's so many people that are struggling with their identity. And, you know, I remember in the 80s and 90s, you used to joke about that. Oh, you know, you're struggling with your identity, but it's not a joke. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a serious issue. And I think it's led to some of the serious issues that we're facing in society right now. And there are people that are in the church that are struggling with their identity, people who profess to know Christ and that are believers. And then we got people who are not in the church that are struggling with their identity. This seems to be an issue that's plaguing a lot of people. What do you think is going on in the world and society to make it so confusing right now? And why do you see this song as uh, an aid to help people understand how to identify who they are? Um, you've probably heard multiple times what Satan's greatest trick is, right? And some will say that it's to convince the world that he doesn't exist. Um, I personally believe, I mean, he has a whole arsenal of tricks. (laughs) We're not trying to scale them here, but I think one of the biggest ones that he uses is the illusion of salvation is making people believe or having people believe that they are saved when they're really not. Um, we kind of, you know, I grew up in, you know, my teen years in the nineties and it was just the classic, uh, go to the altar, repeat after me prayer and then leave and nothing changes. And you feel like because you had an emotional moment at the altar that, you know, everything's different and you're saved and everyone's welcome you to the family, but you walk out of the doors and nothing has changed. And it's because we haven't had a true radical experience with Jesus. And um, for me, uh, I, I was a hypocrite, uh, even when I was a youth pastor. And I wasn't one on purpose. It was just that I had things that I was struggling with that I had not released, that I had not let go of. And, you know, God gives us free will to make the choices that we make. But we actually shouldn't want that free will. We should actually want his will. That's why even Jesus said, not my will be done, but your will be done. And so we should actually be striving to get rid of that free will. But when we act in that free will, we act in the flesh, then, you know, the world is our, um, you know, our backdrop. Um, It's kind of like if you think about when we focus on the world, our mind is our first point of influence. And then our, what we think affects how we feel. And then how we feel affects what we do. But when we get to know Jesus, we have a radical change in the whole, with the Holy Spirit. Then now the Spirit is our first point of influence. And then the Spirit influences the mind, the mind, the emotions, and the emotions, the body. And I think that the world, first of all, we care too much about our own opinion. And, and God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So we focus too much on ourselves, on what we want. We want to feel good. We want to be happy. We want to get all this. And that's what the video reflects is, you know, he has a house. He has a vehicle. That's like the first things that we strive to get in our lives as we grow up. Mm-hmm. Is we got to get a car at 16. Then we got to uh, get a buy a house. And he has a job. So, you know, all these things in this video represents the things that we find our identity in. And the video represents the circumstances that life throws at us. And what the character is doing is, you know, he has his mask, his general mask on. 
And then when he faces a situation like at job at his job where he gets fired, you know, the boss writes useless. Mm-hmm. And so the boss is telling him you're useless. And then when Jesus is there to wipe it away, to take it all away, what does he do? He puts up another mask and says, I'm okay. And then he gets a text from his wife, meets his wife. She divorced, she's giving him divorce papers and then writes worthless. And so each one of those, the sequence of events that the character goes through in the video is real life. It's what we go through. And so as we're wearing masks to cover up who God has made us to be, then the circumstances we go through tells us who we are. We're useless, we're worthless, we're lifeless and hopeless and all these things. And when Jesus is always there welcoming us, like, come on, I could show you, I could tell you, because if you notice, Jesus is the, well, the character Jesus is the only one not wearing a mask. That's who he is. And the Bible tells us that we're being conformed to the image of the Son. Yes. And so throughout that video, uh, again, it's just a reflection of the world that every time the world tells us this, we say, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need this. But you see in the video, it gets to the point to where it's over. He can't take it anymore. It's all too much. And he's ready to end it. And that was the cl- that's the climax. That was the point that when God gave me the vision for this video, it's like even editing wise, I'm going through editing this thing. And I'm like, I've got to fit all this story in along with this <laughs> you know, song that has a beginning to an end. It has to fit in there. And I'm like, God, I don't know if it's going to fit, but I it fit and the climax of that was he he's he's going to end it he puts the gun to his head he's going to end it and no matter how many times he rejected jesus jesus was there with open arms welcoming in and then when he he cries out to him he goes into his arms embraces him and then that's when you get the reveal of now that's who you are and for me that was my own personal experience when i was locked up was I'd held on to things that the world had told me. And then there I was sitting in a cell and I was able to let go of this unforgiveness I had towards my parents. And it was like, God looked down at me, lifted my head up and said, there you are. Now I can work with you. So it's all about who do we find our identity in the world or the word. Yeah. There's two points I want to kind of hone in on here with this, because everything you're saying is just so scripturally based, and the video is just God-breathed and God-anointed. It just flows together and makes the points very clear. But the first thing, when you talked about that radical experience with Jesus, having to have that, um, being born again, being saved, you're right. A lot of people think it's just that emotional experience of going to the altar. And this is something I've talked about on a number of occasions, that it's actually a supernatural experience where the Holy Spirit enters you and changes you on the inside and then works itself outward. It's not just this decision that you make to be a good person or to live like Ned Flanders across the street from Homer Simpson. (laughs) But (laughs) I had to throw that in there. Um, But when, you know, We talk about identity. You have to go to Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Mm. And they're like, oh, you're John the Baptist. Oh, you're Elijah. And then Peter had the supernatural revelation. Okay. And Jesus said, this is the father that revealed this to you. Peter said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And then 
Jesus said to Peter, Hey, Simon Barjona, son of son of a man, uh, your name now is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And that's when Peter's identity was established, when he had that revelation of who Jesus is. And something else that I discovered, and really, it's kind of interesting because God's kind of been preparing me for this over the past couple of months, is that our, ident- our identities that God's created for us in Christ have been predestined. Hey, and it's Doug, Doug Naden. Hey, what's up? Good to see you, Doug. Welcome to the live stream this evening. But in Ephesians chapter two at verse 10, I find this mind blowing for we are his workmanship, which in Greek means a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, which means predestined. So there we should walk in them. So as we press in harder and harder to Jesus, we understand our identity more and more. And the person that we thought we were, we thought we were supposed to be kind of goes away. And we actually become contrary to the world's view, more versatile. We become like David, David, who was a poet. He was a warrior. Um, You know, he was all of these things because he really didn't, you know, care what the world said. He was just doing what God put in him to do, you know, and yeah. it was, it was predestined. And we've also got Jermaine from the band Tricord. Welcome back. It's good to have you back. And thank you for those of uh, you who are joining us right now. We have David Bean on with us from Red Letter Rising. We're checking out a new release for them uh, this evening and talking about identity crisis and identity in Christ. So before we go to a commercial break and talk about the band, David, can you share with us how you found your identity in Christ? Can you share with us your testimony? Well, I touched base on a little bit on that already with, um, you know, I used to be a youth pastor. I grew up in church. I was as churched as you could be churched. And um, my grandparents raised me. I had this, this 50-50 where my parents were you know, struggling with drug abuse and, and were violent towards one another. So I had that experience. And then I had my grandparents who were just these beautiful, God loving, God fearing people and had me in church all the time and everything like three different youth camps, um, youth conventions, every time the doors were open, just your classic story of growing up churched. Um, I, because of the things I experienced, as a child um, with my mom leaving when I was 11 and wishing that I had her and not understanding why she left my dad being gone on the road all the time. And, you know, my grandparents just want to be my grandparents, but they had to be my parents too. And I just started developing, developing these anger issues. Like I was just mad because, you know, and I'm not going to say that I felt like the world owed me anything or I had a chip on my shoulder. It's like, like, dude, like the basic things that you're supposed, you're supposed to have a mom and dad. You're supposed to have this. You're not supposed to experience these things. And I felt like a victim already. I grew up feeling like a victim. And anger was my way of not feeling like a victim. I know it's kind of weird because it's like I felt like I had control even when I had no control. Because when you act out in anger, you you have there's no self-control there at all. But it made me feel like I had control. And because of my mother issues... Um, that caused me to seek out my identity and my self-worth and females and, you know, had to be in a relationship and, you know, 
was sexual at an early age and that kind of fueled everything and got into drugs. Um, I was homeless at 15 and didn't even have to be. It's just like, I didn't want to live under my grandparents' thumb and the rules that they had. So I would run off and I was stealing things from stores to support, you know, my habits and stuff like that. And just as I got older, it's like, like I was 16 in a rehab, a Christian rehab. And I remember this lady praying over my feet. Like she got down on her hands and knees and prayed over my feet and said that I was, that God had told her I was to carry the word a great distance. And at 16, it was like, what? <laughs> okay. That's weird. And, you know, there, there's things where God, you, you see him in the past, you see how he's working things out, but then there's times where you can see him working in real time. And I think that's when you're able to actually be in the spirit when you're, because the Bible says that the natural mind cannot comprehend the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. Mm -hmm. So when you're actually able to act in the spirit, then you can see God working in real time. But looking back, you know, my choices that I made led me in and out of jail, on drugs, living at random people's places, houses and stuff like that, and just getting in trouble all the time. And I was a very selfish person, very arrogant. Um, tried the band thing from 16. I learned how to play guitar when I was 16. And my whole goal was to make it like I want to travel the world and, you know, nationwide on a tour bus. Can't really say the world because I won't get on an airplane. But anyway, at least <laughs> nationwide. Um, and that was my whole life goal. But, you know, settled down, got married in my early 20s. And it was like, bam, failed marriage. Well, let's try it again. Nope bam, failed marriage because I was still selfish. I still had these things that I would not let go of. And, you know, God was always there, always drawing me. I believe when God has a calling on you, you're a, and you're a Jonah, you can't get away. You can run, but you cannot get away. And he will yeah. bring a well to swallow you up and to keep you for as long as it took or as long as it takes. And for me, that was county jail. And so November 2016, my choices led me to 15 months incarceration. And like I said earlier, that's where it wasn't like, okay, God, I'm done. I'm sorry. Please get me out of this. It wasn't that at all. It was like, God, I accept this and I'm okay with this. And there were guys in jail that were like, Bean's just happy to be here. Walks around like he ain't got a care in the world because it wasn't jail for me. It was seminary. It was a yeah. mission field. Now I'm in there being used by God. And as I described to you earlier, I had just, when I would pray, it was like, God, my words are useless. Like, give me new ones. Yeah. And so that, that was the radical change. And, you know, I, What's, what stinks is when I got out 15 months later, like my ex-wife, um, my grandmother told her, like, he's really living for God. Like, he, he's really doing good. And my wife was like, I thought he already was. And so oh, wow. because I lived that, and it, I honestly wanted that relationship with God. But the Bible is clear. If you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. 
And because I had harbored this unforgiveness towards my parents for so long, I could not experience God. It's like my prayers were hitting this wall. I could not experience God to the fullest. He was always there waiting. And, and you know, as a father to a child, as a, a parent to a child, you don't do everything for them because they don't mm -hmm. learn. So what you do is you set them up with the opportunity to do it. And then you stay there and you watch them while they do it. And then when they fail, you help teach them like, okay, what can we learn from this? How can we do better next time? And that's what God was doing in my life. And I'd love to say that when I got out, you know, I busted the gates wide open and started you know, ministry. And no, I faced rejection because people rejected me for me being locked up. I then started battling the worst depression and panic attacks that I've ever had in my entire life. And uh, for over a year, I did nothing. I just sat in my house and was depressed. And, you know, I, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about Red Letter Rising and how it came to be. So I'm going to kind of stop right there because the mm. rest of it is how that came about. Yeah, the, the flip side of the story. Um, yeah. And, and look at what you're doing right now. What you're saying is really resonating with a lot of people. There's a couple of comments that I want to pull back up on screen here. We've got Doug Naden, who was a friend of mine in high school back in the day when we were cool. Uh, well, we're still cool, but you know, <laughs> back in the I day, cool. I, I'm still cool. I, well, I think I'm cool. So I, I guess that's all that matters. He says, Kenos Katesis, which means new creation in Greek. And uh, if Doug Naden, he can preach the word like, nobody else. I mean, he is a powerful, powerful vessel of the Lord. Uh, he ran for years and, uh, Jermaine says, let's see here, pull up Jermaine. There we go. Oh, uh, Jermaine says, wow, powerful testimony. And Doug, uh, is also weighing back in unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Wow. That is yeah. very well put. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the flip side after you got out of prison and what you're doing with red letter rising right now. But, uh, first we got to take a pause for the cause and we'll be back momentarily. A perfect way to proudly display your love of God and country is with a custom-made wooden flag from 100% reclaimed materials. The Rugged American Flag Company can design a custom wooden flag for you or a loved one. A custom wooden flag makes the perfect gift for those serving in the military, law enforcement, emergency services, or any other profession of service. Call 803-521-0708 or email the Rugged American Flag Company, that's the Rugged American FLGCO, at gmail.com to design your flag today. Stay rugged and rock on, America. America. Get yourself a flag, everybody. Rugged American Flag Company. They are a proud sponsor of Raven's Heart as well as Charleston's Get Revelation Rock Fest. So, hey, I love the uh, the uh, discourse that's going on here. Jermaine, uh, back to Doug, says, wow, dang, that's deep about unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's something we could spend an entire evening talking about with the uh, the tormentors and the demonic interaction that happens when you harbor that unforgiveness and that bitterness in the heart and even what that does to your physical body, because it is a poison. It will, it will destroy you from the inside out. But let's talk about red letter rising now that you are that God set you free. You've had that revelation of who Jesus is and that radical moment. How did Red Letter Rising come about after you got out of prison? So through that time that I was battling the depression, um, a friend of mine told me 
that I needed to get a PS4 and we could play Call of Duty. And so that was my only like social outlet was me and like three or four other guys that would play Call of Duty. But um, I do remember, um, man, when was that? It was like a few days after I got out. Because when I went in, my aunt and uncle came to the house and got all my stuff. Because when I got out, I came back to nothing. My ex-wife took everything. I literally came back to just my guitar, which is the, well, that one, <laughs> the black one. <laughs> um, I came back to that, my guitar amp. And the clothes that were in my closet, that was it. Oh, and my MacBook. Um, and so I contacted my aunt and went and picked up my stuff and sat here for the longest time. And all I had was Call of Duty and playing guitar. And I already had some songs. I mean, I've been playing since I was 16. I just turned 42. So uh, Zombies is my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Squirrel. Um, so like, like I remember being in jail and telling people like I play guitar and I've done this or whatever. And I know most of them were like, whatever, dude, like they didn't believe me. Um, but I could not wait to get out and I could not wait to play again. And when I did, I forgot a lot of stuff that I had written before. So I started, um, making these videos and I have like a personal YouTube channel that I would do like OG one, OG two. And that was the title of all my songs. And it was just me, my guitar and garage band. And it was therapeutic. And, you know, during the depression, uh, a couple friends was like, man, you gotta, you gotta get a dog. So I went to a shelter and I rescued a pit bull and her name is Tobin. And that's what I had. That's what God gave me was Call of Duty, my guitar, and my dog. And through that whole year, I just spent writing and writing and writing. And I remember my buddy was like, all you do is play guitar. You can't just play guitar all the time. I was like, yes, I can. So <laughs> that's what I did. I just wrote all those songs. And I can't remember exactly when God started stirring my heart, but it was like, I just wanted to record an album. It didn't have to be good. It just, I just wanted good quality because I didn't have anything that was worth, you know, listening to. And that that's what I set out to do. And Relentless Flood was playing, I think it was the last um, anniversary show at the Inn in Salisbury. And so I was talking to Marshall and Dylan about like helping me get these songs and recording them. And Dylan was talking about how he was developing a record studio. And so I just, I reached out to him and I was like, Hey man, I want to make these songs into something. And, but I didn't have a vocalist. So, um, I reached out to someone um, from Texas and she was going to do it. And then all of a sudden she wasn't going to do it. So that kind of forced my hand to that. But, um, it was pretty much just the idea of just recording an album. And then God started stirring my heart as we were recording, like, this, this ain't bad. I mean, it's not terrible. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> and I'm like, what if? Just what if? And one thing I want to, to point out is when we read the Bible, 
And we need to read it for what God is saying because it's God's word. And if you read it for right. anything else, then you need to pray. But <laughs> my thing is when I read scripture, I read God's part, but also my part. You know, what, what, like delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, we think he's going to give me the desires of my heart. But right. what about the delight yourself in the Lord part? You know, there's his part and then there's our part. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and all the ways acknowledge him, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Oh, my paths are going to be straight. But what about all that that we're supposed to do? So with this, it's like, you know, God's not limited at all, but we can limit God within our life yes. if we're not willing to do our part. And I'm a big, big faith without works, you know, person. So I just thought like, hey, if it's going to be something, then I have to do my part to allow that to to happen. And it just started coming. I mean, God gave me the name and all that. And it just next thing you know, it's like it's it's something. You know that I, I want to go back to what you were just saying about God's job and our job. Uh, that was something that a pastor many years ago taught me to do actually was to take a look at scripture um, that to outline what is your job and what is God jo God's job. And I really believe that um, a lot of Christians err in understanding that they have to do something that it takes work to do. But if you mm -hmm. go back and you take a look at scripture, when God called Abraham out of, um, out of his homeland, okay, um, Abraham, Abraham had to do something. He had to step forward and go. It just wasn't yeah. like God teleported him out from where he was out to where he needed to go. And it's the same thing with Moses and Israel. They all had to participate in, in doing something. It's not just going to drop out of the sky and it's not this mystical thing, but it's once you take those steps that God starts to show you the way that you should go. That's why the steps of the righteous man are ordered of God. It's steps, not leaps, not jumps, and not teleportation. But we have yeah. to take those steps. And I think a lot of people, they get frustrated in their walk, and they get frustrated with God because they have not done their part. Amen. I, I, really, think, I really think that's the case. Um in thinking about that. And I, I have to say something funny because as I was driving home from work today, one of the things that I'm starting to learn to do is be more aware of how God may be speaking to me around where I'm at and what he might be trying to show me and might be trying to say to me. And as I was sitting in traffic, there was a truck, uh, um, a semi truck right next to me. And I looked at the name of the truck and it was Red Letter Rising Trucking. What? Yeah, I kid you not. Like, and there was a yeah, there was a cross and a nail on it. And I was wow. like, wow. I was like, okay, we are on target tonight <laughs> with what we're gonna do. <laughs> and I was all excited because there was only one other band yeah. that had it was they were called the Red Letter Rising, but they haven't done anything since like 2012. And I was like, dude, I got redletterrising.com, all the social, everything. Like, I don't have to compete with anybody. 
<laughs> I didn't know that was a red letter Rosie trucking. I didn't either until I saw it this afternoon. But um, actually, it was red letter rising transportation or something like transport or something like that. But it was a big semi truck, had a red cross, um, red the red nail with the red crown of thorns on it, uh, and it was. I was like, okay, we are on target today, and that That's leads cool. me to my. It is. At least to my next question, I have to ask this. What is a red letter rising? Well, the red letter represents the words of Christ. And, you know, as a New Testament church, um, that's what we live by. I mean, the Old Testament, it was pointing to Christ, to the cross. And then once that was established, we became, we, we then came to be able to have a relationship with God and we are Christians, we are Christ followers. And so I think that when we read the Bible, when we, when we read Jesus's words, we're, we're to take them literal. I mean, a lot of people, and I get that you have to read the Bible with context and, you know, the old uh, 20 verses before and 20 verses after, like there is a way that you can read the Bible that, would be inaccurate but i think we like to take and connect this with this and this and this and then say oh well that's what really means when he's saying this and all this stuff and it's like dude jesus was a pretty radical dude mm -hmm. and he didn't you know he's, he spoke in parables because he said that not everyone will understand but he then turned around and explained those parables so that we could understand and so red letter is all about the words of Christ representing that. And the rising is sort of a double meaning. It's the element of that. And I don't want to say anything that's like incorrect um, theology, but I feel like we need a new modern reformation. Yes. Like we've come from this teaching you know, if you think about why we had the Reformation in the first place and then look what we've done since then. And I feel like we need like a new Reformation where we need to take the words of Christ literal when he says, love your neighbor. And going back to that unforgiveness aspect of that, I think the problem with unforgiveness is we make it all about us rather than mm -hmm. loving the other person. So you can't love someone when the two greatest commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do that if you're harboring unforgiveness towards them. So we need, uh, it's, it's like the red letter rising, like we're rising back up and taking, taking back the true meaning of what Jesus was saying. And then also in addition to that, because uh, lyrically a touch base on real world issues so things like bullying and, mm -hmm. you know, things like how we treat other people and the whole, are we loving our neighbor as ourselves? Are we loving our enemy? Um, stuff like that. So uh, I'll use the hashtag rise up and rise above a lot. And my whole goal personally is to try to connect with people who are struggling and to encourage them with the words of Christ. Wow. You know, and I perfect segue because Doug, um, and again, I said, you got to hear this guy preach. It's absolutely amazing. This is probably going to take up the whole screen. So if, 
if David and I disappear and you just see text, but I, I want to bring this up here because it was just a, one of those, Oh, revelation moments to me. Okay. Oh, look at that. It's down there at the bottom. The Kainos, uh, original creation, pre-fall, pre-sin, edemic state. So if we take a look at the original Greek and what Doug's pointing out to us is that when we become a new creation, God is restoring us back to the original state, the original creation that was intended in Adam. Think about that for a minute. It's not just about, hey, I'm a new person today and I'm going to go take on the day as a new person, but God's yeah. restoring. That is that is deep. Doug, thank you so much for that. That is just absolutely powerful. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We have David, David Bean with us from Red Letter Rising. You're going to have to check out their music. They are now part of the Broadhead Music Group family. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. But before we talk about that, how did you get into Christian music, especially Christian rock? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, what got me into music, period, was I was big into Marilyn Manson, Limp Biscuit, Corn, and like Deft Home, stuff like that back in the mid. Like I said, I started playing when I was 16. Um, so I was into that. Like, that's what inspired me to want to play. We used to have, me and my friends used to have to go to the local record store to get the VHS tape of, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff of Corn and Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails and all that. And so we would sit there, and we would just, oh, my goodness, like, I want to be them. I want to do this. And I remember, like, I looked at one. We, I knew how to play, like, two little guitar parts. My friend who was younger than me, he taught me how to play those guitar parts. And the other dude didn't really know how to do anything, but he was like, I want to, I want to sing. I'll be the singer. And I jumped the gun on my friend who taught me how to play guitar. And I said, I'll be the guitarist. And so I, he became the bass player. And then we had a Casio keyboard for our drums. <laughs> then we finally got a drummer. Um, but at, it wasn't long after that, when I went to that Christian rehab, and I pretty much renounced like Marilyn Manson and all that stuff because I got deep into that to the point that it got scary. And when I went to this Christian rehab, it was like, we got to pray that stuff out of you. And so when I, you know, I believe that that was the time that I gave my life to Christ, that I, I believe I was justified by Jesus. And I would go to the local, um, I wish I could remember the name of it. it was at the local mall. It was the Christian bookstore. Was it Lifeway? No, nah, it was another one besides some kind Zond of... Zondervan's? Nah, this was just a uh, local okay. place here. Um, but if you want it, it's like, I love all these bands, but it's like, well, I want to I want to listen to Christian music. I don't want to listen to this stuff anymore. And, and of course, I had this whole sort of... Uh, what, shoot i lost what you call like the strictness this uh black and white type of legalism legalism that's yes it. yes i had this legalistic idea about the world now and they had this poster on the back of the wall that would have a list of all the secular bands and then the christian bands that sounded like them yep, i remember and that i had like skillet uh Project 86, um, 
Chatterbox, and who else? POD hadn't come out yet, I don't think. I can't. Um, I think Pillar was at, yeah, maybe Pillar at that time. Maybe Pillar was a little later. But anyway, I know at least those bands. So I started listening to them, and it was like, okay, this is good. I like this. This, this sounds like it. But a lot of the Christian music back then sounded cheesy. And yes. It was just terrible. It was like, okay, I love you, Jesus, but y'all got to do better with your music. <laughs> and so I would always go back to secular music. I would always go back to playing, especially as a musician, especially playing in bands. And I would play in bands then like, okay, well, we can, I'll be in your band, but you can't cuss. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. And that was just a part of my my life just flip-flopping back and forth i do i do well for a little while and then i go right back in the same stuff but i can see where god you know that process of sanctification where he was chipping away at that that bad self that sinful nature and i was getting rid of things but i got to a point and honestly i don't even remember when it was um but it was like I can't do anything other than Christian music because this is a gift from God, mm -hmm. just the same as his grace is a gift. His love is a gift. His forgiveness and mercy are gifts. So the gift that he gave me, that he created me for, I have to use for him. And, you know, Red Letter Rising is not just a band. The music is not just for, you know, to get plays or to try to make money off of it. I could right. care less if I make a dime off of any of this. That's God. You know, I will trust in him. He will provide all my needs. But for me, this is a ministry. This is something that God has taken the time that I was battling depression, um, the time that I, you know, even with my wife, our relationship came out of the bad times that I went through because God is using that to allow me to be able to relate to her and connect with things that she went through. And that's what this is about. The lyrics, the music, all that. That's just my story. As you can see, my story, his glory. Amen. That's, that's all that's for. And there's just no other option. It has to be Christian. It has to be for God. It has to be about God. Yeah. Yeah. That's because it's his spirit that's dwelling in you that wants to release that's on the inside and what you're doing. And that's one of the things that I pick up when I listen to the lyrics, when I see the video is it's legit, it, it's genuine. And that's the way to describe what you're doing. It's a genuine work that you're doing. And I have to go back to what you were saying about the, uh, the, the nineties, um, Christian music. I, I, I was saved in 1993. That's when Jesus saved me. And uh, I went to the Christian bookstore. I was like, oh, man, they had cool album covers and stuff like that. I was like, well, I guess this is what I need to listen to now. So yeah. I bought a bunch of stuff that looked cool, and I put it in. I was like, well, Lord, I was like, if this is what I'm supposed to listen to, I guess this is what I'm going to listen <laughs> to. And it just really just – I compare it to like, you know, you've got – ribeye steak and then you got those red hot dogs that you get for like 99 cents you know well you it used to be 99 cents back yeah. in the day and what was coming out back then most of the time was you know the 99 cent red hot dogs compared to the ribeye steak it just it I just mean, didn't 80s, compare 
the '80s bands, they were spot on. They were good, like Petra and Striker Petra, and stuff. Like when yep. they were coming Blood out. Good. But I didn't like that style. Yeah. Like yeah, I just like the more mid '90s to late '90s grunge rock, hard rock, and then when new metal came out, oh man, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's not really necessarily the sound, it's the heart and what's being expressed and the worldview that's being expressed through it. And I really see, especially through what you're doing, God is redeeming these sounds that, you know, the secular has basically more Satan has stolen to use to push his worldview and push his thoughts on people and get in people's mm-hmm. minds. And God's redeeming those sounds and that's those styles and genres to be used for his glory, because guess what? God created it all anyway. Satan didn't create a single thing at all. Jermaine's weighing in. He says, I know that feeling of struggling between secular and Christian music. Now we are our full steam ahead, a ministry after the heart of God. And that's with his band Tricord. And they came and played here in Charleston back in May and they were on fire on stage. It was just absolutely amazing. And uh, you guys just signed with the Broadhead Music Group, uh, signed to a label. How did that come about? And what's the experience been like with Randall and Jeff so far? Oh my goodness. You just opened up a whole nother segment. Another hour. <laughs> um, so going back to the story of Red Letter Rising even becoming anything at all, um, man, it, it's this is my favorite part about doing these testimonies or this te- as these interviews is is this the testimony aspect of it is the seeing and being reminded and being able to talk about what God has done. You know, and before we went live, you and I were talking about how when God is in it, when God's doing something, you know, we can only do so much within our own power. But when he gets involved, it's just bigger than we could imagine. So when I started with the idea of maybe, maybe this could do something, um, (laughs) it just, I don't know, God stirs the heart. He just starts. You know, he, he, you know, man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And I, I don't even know how I started following Jenna Parr, but, um, I think we became friends on Facebook and I was just seeing her on every single festival, every single show that was being promoted. It was like Jenna Parr, Jenna Parr, Jenna Parr. And I was like, how would like good gracious like the the game's changed since i used to do it like i'm back in like analog days mm-hmm. and now everyone's using digital stuff and the game's changed with streaming and all that so i reached out to her i sent her a message on facebook and i was like how are you doing this tell me like i just i'm just thinking about maybe putting my stuff on spotify or something like what are, what are you doing can you give me some advice and she said that um she was blessed because her dad was partners in the label with the label. And, um, I was like, okay, well that's cool. And she said, um, I can give you my dad's number. Um, you can reach out to him. And she's like, but I warn you, he's super busy and (laughs) it'll take him a while, but he will get back to you. She was not exaggerating at all because (laughs) it took so long. (laughs) 
<laughs> like I would text him and he replied, he replied back like, yeah, let's set up a time. Let's talk or whatever. I'll, you know, I'll get back to you. And as I'm waiting, see, I'm very persistent at things. Like I'll, like I'll text him like, Hey, can we talk? And like, yeah. And I'll, two days later, I'll be like, well, Hey man, here's one of my songs that you could check out, you know, just kind of like in case you're free right now, we can talk. And all I wanted to do was talk to him to get advice and Tuesday, whatever day, what if my wife was down here, she could probably tell me the exact day and the exact time it was, but we ended up talking on the phone and he was telling me about Randall and how Randall was on tour and um, just the language, the, the conversation went from what I thought was just giving me advice. And he was asking like, what my goals were and what I would like to see out of this and stuff. And I'm in the back of my mind. I'm like, is he talking about the possibility of signing? Like, could this be? No, no, that doesn't happen to me. That happens to everybody else. And um, so I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm open for whatever. Cause again, that's the thing with, with God is you have to be willing. He can only, he's only going to do what you're willing to allow him to do in your life. And so I uh, went to the studio with Dylan and uh, Lynette Goodwin. She does all the um, backup vocals and harmonies on all the songs and uh, walk in and I'm, I'm already just excited. I'm already giddy about all this. Like, man, and that's just a chance. That's just a possibility. He hasn't promised anything. He just said, we can all talk about whatever. And I go in there and I said, uh, first thing I said, I was like, man, y'all ain't gonna guess who I talked to today. And I mentioned Randall and Lynette was like, Randall Broadhead looks at Dylan and said, isn't he supposed to be at the upper room, which is in Statesville. I'm in Statesville at the recording studio. Like, isn't he supposed to be there this Saturday? And Dylan was like, yeah, I think so. And she looks up, she's like, yeah, he's going to be there this Saturday. And she was like, you gotta go. And I'm like, I guess I have to, because look at how this is happening. Wow. This is coming about. So my wife and I went to Statesville that Saturday. We met Randall and just instantly, like, first of all, talking to Jeffrey on the phone, like he makes you feel valuable. He makes yeah. you feel like, like you're important, like your goal. Cause He's like, what do, What would you like to do, man? We, you know, things like that. He's not sitting here trying to sell you. Well, we can do this and beefing them, themselves up. It's like, we want to help you. And then when I'm talking to Randall, it was like, first of all, if you haven't heard his story and his testimony, you need to, because, and I'm not going to tell it. That's his story to tell. But just to hear his story makes me understand why he treats people the way that he does. And he values you. And he's all about I me. Mean, he's a super, both of them are super busy dudes. But when you get their attention, you have their attention. Oh yeah. And I, I was telling him, I was like, man, you know, I'm at the time I was like 40, 41, whatever. And he was like, I, I told him, I said, man, I thought it was over. Like I already settled that I would never be able to do anything musically that it was over. And he was like, why would you think that? And then he was like, we're the same age. I'm out here doing it. And I'm like, 
you got me there. So um, <laughs> it just, and the thing is they, they literally, they don't pressure you. They just, they're just like, man, take time, talk with your wife about it, pray about it, see what the Lord's leading you. There's a lot of things in my life that I believe, you know, you don't have to pray about God's guidance and doing God's will. You know, if it's a matter of like helping somebody or, you know, whatever, there are things that are God's, that is God's will for your life that a lot of people say, well, let me pray about it. And I just think that's the Christian. No, but (laughs) this was something that they were like, make sure this is something that God is stirring your heart for that you would want to do, not just, oh, I can sign to a label. And I want to say it took me about two weeks that, and it wasn't, it's like I wanted to, and I knew I wanted to. But I wanted to make sure that I wanted to for the right reasons, because I will not do I won't even play on the worship team at my church because I don't like that's worship. That's God's time. And as a musician, sometimes it's hard to turn off sort of the performance side of things and and the part that we prepare for and performing. And and, you know, I'm not going to say it's an act, but there is a little bit of a difference. There's a big difference for me with when I'm worshiping God. And when I'm performing, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I, again, I have to be really careful about the choices that I make and what I do. And I just, I, I don't even remember, to be honest with you. I just, at some point it was like, all right, well, we're going to send the contract to you. You can look it over. And I, I signed it that night and wow. I was like, dude, like, the way that this is going, there's no denying that God is in it. There's no denying that God set it up. Wow. I love working with both Jeff and Randall. Um, they work with us uh, with Rockfest that we do here in Charleston. Just absolutely amazing people and go above and beyond all the time. We've also got some more comments that have come in as well, going back to the performance and things like that, that we were talking about earlier and just kind of doing it to make money. David Dixon, we love David Dixon. We interviewed him a few months ago. He says, yeah, man, ministry, not entertainment. It's about the gospel, leading people to Christ, not about making dollars at all. And then Jermaine says, God is our source, man. That is absolutely true. So where can our viewers and listeners keep up with the happenings of uh, Red Letter Rising? Uh, We're on all social media. Um, you can pretty much just look up red letter at red letter, red letter rising on anything. Um, we're probably most active on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but we also have red letter rising.com. Awesome. Hey, and we've got David Bean on with us. He is the, the front man for Red Letter Rising. And again, hey, from one pit terrier owner to another one, Amy's pick tonight was Identity Christ Is. If you haven't heard it and you're just joining us now, when we're done, go ahead and rewind and watch the video and listen to this song. It is genuine and it packs a punch. And if you're into bass drops, it's got one awesome bass <laughs> drop in it so david uh thank you for joining us if you could just hang on i'm just going to close out and uh i'll be right back with you as we just uh close out the evening so we will be back on july 21st and we've got another band from the broadhead music group that we are going to be featuring and that is the midnight wedding and i'm really excited about this because this is a band that i have wanted to interview for several 
years and talk about God putting things together. Um, had to walk in the path, uh, the same pathway that Jeff and Randall were to make this happen. So we're excited about that. And then on July 28th, yes, my good friends, The Last Trumpet, Tiffany and Christopher Shelton from The Last Trumpet. We're going to talk about some of their new releases. And you want to talk about a band that has grown and grown just in sound over the past several years. The stuff that they're putting out now is absolutely amazing. So, uh, and also too, we've got a new project that we've just released over the past couple of days. Uh, it's called Lithos Bites. You can find it on our YouTube channel and you can also find it on Apple iTunes, the audio version. And we just did three editions on Stranger Things. Yes. Uh, I just finished binge watching Stranger Things and I could preach off of the entire series. And uh, we're taking a look at some of the prophetic insights that we can see in that. And just remember, those that are pure in heart will see God in pretty much everything. So, uh, yeah, you can see God in it as well. And we can see how the spiritual world works. And it does line up with a lot of scripture. So check that out on our YouTube channel. That's Lithos Cry. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y. If you've got any questions for us, any comments, or if you'd like to be a part of the show, email me at Lithos Cry. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Lithos Cry to keep up on the happenings here. And people, until the 21st of July, when we come back with uh, the Midnight Wedding. Peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.